Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Rob Cook. Rob Cook is a CPA and CFP whose mission in life is to help families build real, meaningful legacies. By day, he serves his clients' families as a wealth advisor, helping his clients grow and protect their financial legacies. By night, he is the host of Contenders Wanted podcast, a show dedicated to showing the world that you can have a meaningful success without sacrificing what is most important in life. Through Contenders, though, through part of me, Contenders Wanted, Rob strives to help listeners go from contender to champion in their own lives. And by doing so, began creating their own meaningful legacies. Rob is a Above all, a husband and father, he loves to compete in obstacle course races, volunteer at church, learn something new or interesting, and enjoy movie nights with his family. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Rob. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Well, thank you, Dwight. I appreciate the invitation. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to this. We've Listeners, we've had a great conversation for the last 40 minutes prior to this, prior to hitting record. I know this is going to be a fabulous episode, and I look forward to the nuggets of information that Rob's going to share with us. So, Rob, one of the things I focus on on my podcast is a person's origin story, not yeah. just your background from like college forward. I want to know your origin story from the wee little Rob and your earliest recollections all the way to where you are today, because I guarantee there's things along the path and journey that directed you to where you are today from your childhood. So, share with yeah. me. Your, from your childhood adulthood to where you are currently, please. Yeah, well, ironic. The ironic thing about that is, even in the intro that you just read, it's actually different than ever since you you probably found that information. So there, there's good twists share. and turns in my journey. Share, um, brother, share. That's great. So I'll I'll share some of the things that are more recent. I guess in a few minutes. But if you want to go back to the beginning, yes, I do. I like to tell people that I didn't. I don't really consider myself a super special kind of guy. I was your average all-American kid. I was incredibly blessed, grew up in the suburbs of Sacramento, California, to a wonderful family, good, great mom and dad who were, you know, just working middle class, just worked hard, um, loved each other and tried to make the very best of everything that we were given. Um, I was fortunate enough that my, my grandfather, I got the opportunity to work with him uh, a lot of summers. And my grandfather was an entrepreneur and um, kind of a small time real estate investor just in our local town. Nothing crazy, but he, because of his hard work and dedication and his personal sacrifices, he was able to create some version of financial freedom and independence for my, 
my grandmother and himself, and then be able to pass on some of those blessings to our family. And part of that was that every summer I got to go work with him on his property and he owned 10 acres out outside of the suburbs and a little house on a hill, a little brick house that kind of was heaven to me. And every summer I'd go and I'd work with him and we would mow pastures and we would fix fences and we'd do odd jobs around the house. And I mean, as a kid, I thought I was working hard, but I was probably only working a few hours a day. And we, of course, take a two hour lunch break and go get Carl's Jr. together. Western bacon cheeseburgers were my favorites. And uh, it was in those moments with grandpa that uh, we called him Papa, that Papa and I had some of my first conversations around money, around investing and finance. And uh, for your listeners, I'm a, like you mentioned, I'm a CPA and a certified financial planner. Uh, but that all wasn't always the case. But grandpa, when we'd be driving in his truck, we'd be talking about life and various things. And then he would uh, change the topic over to something that might be a little interesting. And it, he was the first adult that talked to me about money as if I was an adult. And I was probably only, you know, 13 or 14 or so at the time when we were doing this. But every once in a while, he would, he would say something and he would tell me about a deal or something that he was doing. And then he would tell me just enough to kind of blow my mind. And then he would look over me with look over with a little twinkle in his eye and kind of just give me this smile and I'd be like, wait, what you're doing? What? And how were you able to do what? And I, cause I was always a curious kid. I always wanted to kind of know what was going on. I was the oldest of five kids and always felt like it was my duty to, um, show a good forth, show forth a good example, I guess you could say, and try and not be a burden on the family and try and uh, give my, do my part in our family. And so I loved those lessons from grandpa, but it wasn't until later that I realized the impact that they would have on my life because I went through school. Like most kids, like I said, I was just kind of your basic all American kid. I worked hard during the summers. I was going to school. I was playing sports. I was trying to get good grades and trying to get into the good school and trying to, you know, do all those basic things that you should do. I was a, to tell you an idea of like, like how all American boy I was. I mean, I was an Eagle scout. I played football and basketball and ran track, you know, the very typical American kids. I played baseball growing up and soccer, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, but I'd always wanted to know what I wanted to do in life. And I just so happened to get stuck in a dentist class, uh, during our, uh, school's career day. And although I've never figured out, you know, this is my thing. I just have a huge passion in this one area. I always knew that for me, there were certain things that were important in life. And for me, that was my faith in my family. So when it came to a career, I knew that I wanted a job where I could make enough money to provide for my family. I looked at my grandfather as a great example. And as my dad, as a hardworking man who provided for our family so that my mom could stay home. Did we have a lot of excess? No, we didn't, but we made it work. And dad worked hard to make sure that we always had enough, that we never felt like we went without. I wanted to provide a life where, so if my wife wanted that, she could do that. She could stay home with the kids and we could make it work. I wanted a life where I had the flexibility to give to my local church. I wanted to have the ability to be able to be my kid's sports coach. I wanted to be able to put those things first. And I learned those lessons from my grandfather and from my parents, because that was the way that they lived their lives. Grandpa worked hard and created a business that provided him some sort of financial freedom, but he never did it at the expense of those most important things. We all always knew that family came first and that faith was followed closely thereafter. And then everything else would take care of itself. And he always had the saying, you know, Rob, the Lord helps those who help themselves. So get up, get up and work hard and the Lord will help, help you figure out the rest. 
And so for me, I carried that, those lessons with me. And although I wanted to apply it to a career, I never knew what that really would mean for me. So I wound up going through this windy path where I thought I was going to be a dentist because of this class I got stuck into. And uh, a couple of years into college, I realized when I almost fell asleep job shadowing a dentist standing up that maybe dentistry is not the thing for me. Maybe I, maybe I should do something else. And so that led to a whole nother exploratory moment. And then a couple of years later, I had this, not a couple of years, a couple of months later, actually, I, I was doing a bunch of networking and talking to people and interviewing and taking out to lunch professionals in different spaces, trying to figure out what, is, what the heck am I going to do? Uh, I was majoring in accounting because I had thought, okay, I'm going to get a dentist. I'm going to become a dentist, but I need to be able to run my practice well. So I'm going to get a business degree. So I know what I'm doing. And I had found a little passion and interest there. And who'd have thought, you know, those things that I had learned as a kid started to kind of bubble up and pique my interest. And so I had a natural inclination for finance and investing and just analyzing numbers and seeing through the details and understanding the story that the numbers could tell you. And so that's why I majored in accounting. And then I, when I dropped dentistry, suddenly I was like, well, do I want to do accounting? Well, I don't really want to be an accountant. Uh, but I like knowing accounting. And I like knowing the story that numbers tell us. And I like finance. And then I realized, well, with my criteria I had developed, well, I could apply that and maybe do wealth management, financial planning. And so that led to a bit of a journey because I'd already accepted, without knowing initially, I accepted a full-time job offer from an international accounting firm called Ernst & Young. And it was a great firm, learned a ton, but knew I didn't want to be there long-term. And so I worked hard, got some great experience, uh, some experience that would be applicable becoming a wealth advisor, and then got an opportunity at a, a local investment advisory firm, we call them RIAs here in the States, uh, registered investment advisory firm, and worked as a, a planner. Kind of had to take a little bit of a step back in my career. And then, you know, it's kind of one of those one step forward, two steps back a little bit to kind of change type of thing. And, uh, did that a couple of times because I was moving out of one area into accounting into a different area that would be applicable and then into wealth management. So it was a, it was a bit of a journey. My wife was very patient. I was very grateful for that. Um, but then uh, got into wealth management, worked hard, got all my certifications and designations and started trying to help people. And then I had this kind of realization, um, actually not even more than a couple of months into my journey uh, into wealth management. I was sitting in my car. Uh, it was a warm fall day here in Northern California I was reading The Little Purple Book is what some people call it. It's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You ever read that one, Dwight? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great book, right? But it, it opened my eyes. I had been studying for years the traditional ways of finance and investing and making money, quote unquote. And I had this realization that there was a whole other way to see things that I had never even seen. That I realized in a moment, grandpa had understood. And he had tried to give me bits and pieces of what I had totally missed. And then I realized that this whole industry that I'm in was going this way when I had joined it because I wanted to help people in part, you know, I had my criteria for my family and balancing was most important. But at the end of the day, I also looked and I said, I want to do something that really truly helps people. And so in my mind, being a wealth manager meant that I was going to help people create wealth. I was going to help them make money. I was going to help in my mind's eye. Um, liberate them from the kind of tyranny of our finances that they can sometimes have over our lives. And I very quickly learned that that was not what we did. Yeah, we answer questions and we can help people and we help you. I like to say nowadays, now that I've had the time to actually really process this, is that wealth advisors help people protect their finances. But they're not going to help you create wealth. They're not going to help you create financial freedom. That's up to you. 
that's up to, you know, maybe a, a coach like yourself, right? You know, financial coach. That's up to you figuring out what's most important, what's your most passionate about, where your skill set is most valuable, and going in creating financial freedom for you and your family. And that was a hard pill to swallow because my podcast is called Contenders Wanted because I wanted to help contenders. I wanted to help people really have meaningful success in all areas of their lives. And financial success is part of that. And I realized I was never going to be able to do that in my career just because of the way the industry was currently structured, you could say. A lot of advisors are great people and they provide great advice and will help people out, but they're not going to help you really create wealth. That they basically say, hey, when you have enough, bring it to me and I'll make sure that it stays good. Well, they're, tra- <laughs> they're transactional in nature. They're not a really lot of times that as well. Yeah. Right. And it's no offense to them. I am in this industry 20 years. Our industry in North America, around the world, and finance is in many ways broken. Because it as is. you mentioned, it's you're not helping them create wealth. You're you're helping them attain a place in their life where they can save and become wealthy. But what about all the things prior to them having money? If that's yeah. broken, money's not going to fix nothing. It's not going to help them be happy. Exactly. And they're gonna they're gonna spend like I have wealthy clients that are literally at a higher level of broke. Right. They just, yep. they are that a higher it's level, exactly of high level of bro- higher level of broke. I like that. That's a, they just, that's a great they, way to put it. Well, yeah, they don't have, they've never been trained to understand money and, and to appreciate the fact that it is a tool and then apply it accordingly in your life to the goals exactly. that you want to achieve. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't segment the goals and what's your importance, see for me, when I plan with people, I focus on three core values, faith, family, work, because you mentioned leaving money, you know, to being able to give money to your church. I'm a faith bearing Christian, um, you know, so my life is about my faith, my family and work. So I appreciate what you said too. not to cut off your flow, but no, you're good. Go for it. Just interject that, you know, your grandpa, you know, wanting never sacrificing family and your, your, your parents too. That's amazing. And that's, that gives me the warm and fuzzies because that's the way I am. Right. My dad though, wasn't that way. My dad was a workaholic, but my Mm -hmm. dad, very wealthy entrepreneur, but my dad was also one of 18 kids. So he had a scarcity mindset. And how many people today, how many of you listening have a scarcity mindset? You're always wondering, you know, so you're working too much, right? Because I have people that are very wealthy that listen to Mm -hmm. my show. They're, they're working way too much and they're forgetting the journey of life. They're always on to their next target of what they're trying to achieve. And they're not even enjoying the journey to get to that target. I want to help people enjoy the journey of life and realize that their goals are attainable once they understand the rules of the money game and how money actually works, that it's a tool that they control, but they have to control their six inches and all the learned pattern behaviors of improper spending, or you, you know it as well as I do, even at your age. How many parents have, have you run into or heard from people? Well, I never shared that with my kids. I never talked to them about money. Which is That's a sin of, in my it, opinion. Absolutely. Your grandpa didn't, is, you know, this, this just, this just gives me, I've got so much energy in what you've shared with me just, and we're, we've got a long way to go, but anyway, I'm sorry for. No, you're good. Off, I think what, you, everything you're saying, you're, you're spot on. I like to say that 
money is a great tool. It's a wonderful slave and a terrible master. Oh, and if you don't learn to use your money well, it will be a terrible master to you. And it will you'll just wake hang up over one you day. your whole life. Yeah, you'll wake up one day going, geez, you know, I've never heard even people, some of my older clients that are now passed away that were, you know, because I've been doing this 20 years that have been passed away for quite a while. Most of them didn't when, you know, I found out they had cancer or whatever, and I go sit, sit with them and we talk and they wanted to go over all their stuff because I do insurance as well. Mm -hmm. And we talk about their, their different aspects of their life. And they, not one of them said they, they regretted not making more money. All of them, they regret was the same thing. They wish they would have had a deeper connection to their faith to God. If, and, and those that aren't faith bearing in the sense of believing in God, you have the universe or whatever, that's fine. I'm not here to judge mm-hmm. you, but nobody's ever told me in those dying years prior to them passing or months that they wish they had more money. They always yeah. say they wish they had more of a sense of connection to their faith because now they're nervous that they're going to go to the other place, not the place they yeah. really want to go to, or yeah. they wish they would have had more memories. Right. Because now I've heard this as well. Maybe you can concur to this. Oh, you know what? I'm working hard. Yeah. I'll miss watching my children grow up, but I'll see my grandkids. Well, guess what? Mm. Some of those people don't make it to see their grandkids. That's a slippery slope too. Oh, because if you neglect the today, why would you assume that your kids even want you there tomorrow? My dad and I have a tumultuous relationship because of it. And he listens yeah. to the odd podcast. He knows I'm not being disrespectful. He has regrets, but thank goodness yeah. in his eighties, he's still healthy and he gets to spend time with his grandkids and now his great grandkids. He was blessed yeah. to, you know, n- not have that person that was struck down with severe health mm-hmm. issues and be gone. So he's, he's making up for lost time, but can you ever make up for lost time? He lost us. No. As ki- he lost us as kids because I'd get up in the morning, he'd be at work. I'd go to bed at night, he'd still be at his business. Yeah. Right. And I didn't. Yeah, I, I, it's I, not I, an easy thing to figure I out. I would never. I swore to myself when I caught myself being that workaholic in my first um, businesses when I was I owned a computer consulting firm prior to getting into finance for a decade, and I was a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And I woke up one day in my early thirties and went, and I was having health issues and I was going, what the heck am I doing? This isn't, yeah. this isn't what God wanted me to be. He wanted me to serve him, serve my family, and then work is what's going to allow that to happen. Right. Yeah. So. I agree. I think there's this trap that we can fall into also where we feel like, well, I have to be, all the thing, all the time to everyone. And I think that's, that's a fallacy. We can't, it's just not even possible. There are realistically too many people and too many things that would vie for our attention and our time. And so that's why it's so important for us to at least be purposeful. I like to say, tell people, you know, you're going to have ebbs and flows as you're, as you're contending for greatness, as you're trying to be successful in all the areas of your life, Naturally, there are going to be times where certain things require you to maybe sacrifice a little bit more for certain things, but make sure that it's just for a short time period. The problem is when our life gets out of balance in a longer term, right? Like if you need to, for this next couple of weeks, you got to do a big push because you've got maybe a 
a big project that's really important, or you're trying to get your business off the ground, or you're whatever it might be, that might be okay. But just don't make sure that when you get to the end of that two weeks, you create another project. It's another two weeks. And then next one, it's another project that's now it's a month long and whatever it might be. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, five years has passed. And your little kid who was two, who wanted to see you all the time and was always excited to see you when you came to the door, suddenly no longer cares that you're around. You can't seem to figure out why you can't develop a relationship with them. Well, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. I hear, I hear that all the time. My yeah. kids don't want me to be around, so I'm just going to work more. Well, because well, it's the exact opposite of what you because, need. To do. Yeah, because that gap you created that gap as you mentioned, and all of a sudden they don't want you around. Next thing you know, their 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 most vulnerable fun years are gone, and now they're angst teenagers. And you want to try to be a parent to them? It's a little bit too late. Yeah, you're finding a serious uphill battle at that point. Oh, severe. Yeah. I I coach families on it all the time. It's 20 years of doing it. And it's just it, it it breaks my heart. And all Agreed. I can do, all I, all I can do is help them, you know, hopefully level up their mindset somewhere, send them off for sometimes counseling or, you know, I'll just sit and have conversations with them and tell them, okay, you've at least acknowledged it, get over the regret because it's, you can't, there's no way yeah. to go back in time. So what can you do now in your life to make things better for yourself? So yeah, that's uh, I completely agree with you, Dwight. It's one of those things that people just don't think about enough. Um, we have those short-term adjustments, you know, what we think is short-term, and then before we know it, it's been years. And so I think that's why it's so important for us to be purposeful about what we're doing with our lives and what we're doing with our our time. Frankly, um, when you talk about meaningful success or you know solving money problems, financial success in any sort of way, it all comes down to be being purposeful. If we can be purposeful with those resources, because time and money are resources, then we can create the outcomes that we're hoping for. At the beginning, you talked about how one of my missions is to help people create meaningful legacies. Well, a legacy, the funny thing about a funny thing about a legacy is that a legacy is something we usually associate with at the end of our lives. But legacies are created today. They're created in the day-to-day moments. Like my grandfather's legacy didn't come around because he did all these things at the very end of his life with only like a week left. He spent some time with me. No, it was because over the course of years, he showed us what was important. Over the course of years, he spent time with me in multiple summers. It was over the course of years that he instilled those lessons that were most important that now outlive him. His, is his wealth going to outlive him? Yeah, maybe. But what really outlives him is his lessons that he passed on to all of us. And I say all of us because I'm one of 32 cousins um, on that particular side of my family. I I come from a a large family and I've spoken with many of my cousins who are around the same age as me. And we all talk about similar experiences with grandpa. So it wasn't just ad hoc that he did this. He and my grandmother were purposeful about the time that they spent with us and the things that they talked about with us. Now, some of it, of course, was just kind of in the moment and off the cuff, but they knew what was most important. And then therefore they put those things first. And I think the only time our lives get out of whack is when we forget what is most important and we let it get out of whack for too long. Oh, absolutely. I, I completely concur. Mm-hmm. And I have questions here about legacies because 
that is one of the things I talk about with people all the time. And our living legacy is something that's in play right now. And your grandpa did that by spending time with you and, you know, the 32 cousins and, you know, like you said, you all have similar stories. It's, it's so important to live in the moment. That is the legacy, right? Yeah. The legacy isn't like I, part of what I put down here is, you know, the word legacy conjures up the ideas of death, inheritance, and material possessions. Like you said, it's, it's, it's so much more than that. So mm-hmm. right now in the moment I'm creating with this podcast, this is part of my legacy. Agreed. It's also part of your legacy because somebody can mm-hmm. go look it up. They can listen to it. Kids that aren't even born yet, right? Yep. And kids in the future. And they could, they might be attracted to the fact that they give a heck name and want to listen to their grandpa being interviewed in his younger, you know, yeah. years. We're both working on our legacy. And yeah, actually, people just don't take it serious enough. I like to tell people that my podcast is, yeah, it's for my listeners, but it's also in part for my own family. If one day something ever happens to me, my daughter will be able to hear my voice and know what I thought was important. 100%. Even if, even if she's too young to remember that now, I mean, my, my wife and I have had, um, our family is incredibly important to us. We've been married for over eight years and we only have one little girl because we've had some infertility struggles, even though we would love to have a larger family. And even if we only have that one little girl, I want to make sure that my little girl knows that I loved her wholeheartedly, that I would have done anything for her. And I want to make sure that she learns those lessons that I thought were most important in my life. And so my podcast is part of the way in which I try to do that. So that even if something happens to me, yeah, is my family monetarily taken care of? Do I have enough proper life insurance and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. But more importantly, I want her to have memories of me and her. And I want her to have a place where she could go and hear my voice and know what was most important to her father. Oh, and that's awesome because right now you just saying that this again, legacy, she has the ability to hear how much you care for her and that the price of, of success isn't worth the price of watching her not grow up or being, you know, setting a good example. That's part of our legacy. What, What, you know, people listening, what are you saying and doing? What are your actions when people aren't watching? They better be the same actions of what, when people are watching you mm-hmm. don't live a life that's a facade. And if you are, it's never too late to give a heck and change your life and live a life on purpose. It isn't just about like, that's why my book isn't just about, there's only one chapter really on, there's a chapter on budgeting. The rest of it's all about just life and the trials and tribulations. Mm-hmm. And that if you don't give up and you constantly, you know, push past the struggle, you can achieve success and success isn't, totally tied to finances and what like oh, definitely talk not. about it you know with the money and stuff and you know one of the things as a side note you talk about 32 cousins on my one side of my uh dad's side of the family my dad's one of 18 kids so i got 63 cousins on the one side of the family on my mom's side she's one of nine and i have <laughs> well, there's 40 some <laughs> cousins so i have cousins you get me. it yes i yeah. totally get it um I had special moments with my grandpa too. He, he was, he, he didn't really teach me about life in the sense of communication. His was through actions, his kindness. Mm-hmm. I was a sickly kid. I had severe asthma back, back in the 
70s and into the 80s, there wasn't inhalers yet, right? Rescue mm-hmm. inhalers. And my grand, and so all the other kids and cousins would go play. And my grandpa would grab on, he had big hands, he grabbed onto my hands and we'd go for walks and we'd talk. He talked mm-hmm. about gardening, he talked about enjoying life. And yeah. it was just, you know, so he he left an, an indelible memory with me with his laughter and his his sense of humor. And so I, I get it, what you're saying. People listening, right? understand that legacy is is you're creating a legacy right now so if you're somebody that every single night your children see you sitting on the couch and all you do is complain about how broke you are or complain about oh you know look at what such and such in the family has or look at what my boss has accomplished you know that yeah. sob or whatever you know yeah. if all they're doing it you're doing is being negative that's the legacy role that you're playing in your in your children's lives and if you're a grandparent and you're still that same way, your kids, if they don't talk to you a lot, I hear that from my own clients. I don't hear from my kids often. And when I sit with these older people, I can see why. Yeah. Right. Sadly. Like, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. You know, and it, it's sad. So, you know, I, I basically was, you know, it led into this, which is, which is great. Right. Like I said, I put in here. I, this is my writing. I said, I personally believe legacy is all about life and living and caring about our world and the people in it during our lifetime. When we are alive, we have a unique opportunity to draw a meaning and leave an indelible impression by helping others in some way that is meaningful. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're doing by wanting to ensure for your daughter and by doing your podcast and wanting to ensure that you touch people in, in different ways so that you give them hope. Today, we have so many people that don't realize our legacy of people are watching us. So like I said, who are you when you're not being watched? Who are you when you are being watched? Hopefully, they're kind of in alignment. Because almost totally in alignment. Exactly. (laughs) But most people, they're not. And people are watching. Yeah. Even the person at the corner store, when you go in, um, my kids growing up, you know, Rob would, would, they'd ask me questions like, dad, you said to that person, Hey, that's, you know, I really liked what you're, 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 what you're wearing. If it was a woman or a guy or, you know, Hey, nice tie or, you know, you got an amazing smile. And my kids, when we leave, when they were younger, used to say, you know, dad, why do you do that? Are you trying to, you know, cause they're, they're, you know, I'm a divorced man. Their mom used to tell them, you know, he's doing it just to brownie points or whatever. No, if you give a compliment, you better be genuine about it or don't open your mouth, you know, be sincere. So, you know, if I compliment you or I say, oh, that's great work. I'm, you know, it's not because you're my daughter, you're my son, or it's because, you know, it's because I think I can get something from that store owner. It's because I genuinely mean it. It's heartfelt. So live a light that life of of being kind and heartfelt and you're you're going to live a good life you're going to be blessed if you're always serving other people by letting them know that somebody cares about them you might be the only person in their day that's ever told them hey you got a nice smile can i actually share a this sure your story is actually reminding me of a story from my own life sure um so there's a there's a woman by the name of marjorie hinckley who i have great respect for and she said one time never let a kind thought go undone or you know, unsaid or whatever it might be. And yeah. this kind of goes along with what you're saying. But um, when I heard that quote, uh, I was in college and I remember thinking, okay, I need to do a better job at that. 
because I think often we, we, we have thoughts that, oh, I should do something kind for so-and-so and it just, oh yeah, I should do that. And then it never happens. And so I made, I told myself, okay, I'm going to, the next time I have a thought, the next, I'm going to make an effort here over the next month or so. And anytime I have a kind thought, no matter what it is, I'm going to go and do it. Like, okay, great. Well, it was as if God was like, all right, I'm going to test you. Because the next day, I remember I was coming out of the building at school and I went to school here in Utah, ironically, where I just recently moved back to. And, you know, we can have some cold, wet, snowy kind of winters here. Well, it was a kind of, it was one of those weird spring days where it had snowed fairly recently. So there was a little bit of snow on the ground, but it was mostly slush, but it was kind of warming up, right? And things were kind of melting. And I'm come walking across the quad and I look over to my left and I see a guy in a wheelchair. And I mean, you know, you just kind of, I was the kind of, I'm just always looking around as I'm walking through the quad and I looked over and I saw him and I looked away. And the very next thought that popped in my head was go help him. I didn't know this guy from Adam. I had no idea who he was. And I remember the very next thought that went to my head was that would be so awkward. I'm this random dude. He, he might not even need my help. I'm just, okay, but I, okay, fine. I said, I would. I'm going to. So I walked over there. And as I'm walking over there, I remember saying a little silent prayer, like, okay, God, if you want me to help this guy, help me figure out a way to make this not so awkward when I go up and like talk to him and offer my help. And I remember walking to him and I almost walked past him because I felt so uncomfortable at this idea of helping this random person. And because, I mean, I didn't want him to make it feel like I was patronizing him, you know, or whatever, you know, the excuses that were going through my head at the time. And so finally I like, I like kind of glanced back and he, his like wheel had gotten like stuck over like a little rut or something. And I'm a big guy. I'm like six, five, two I played sports through college and stuff. And so I'm, I'm a big, strong guy. And, uh, so I turned back and looked at him and I said, Hey, having some troubles, you need to push where, what direction are you headed? And he's like, Oh my gosh, that'd be great. I'm actually heading towards any named uh, building where I was actually headed towards. I was like, oh, well, that's exactly where I'm headed. Here, let me give you a hand. So I came behind him and I pushed him along and we had a nice little conversation. And my, my, my college campus had a lot of hills. And he was telling me about how he had just come up one of these really big hills and he was just, his arms were dying and he just needed a break. And I, you know, pushed him across because it was the opposite side of campus. I pushed him across campus and got him to where he needed to be. And then I went my way in the building and he went his way. And he thanked me profusely for that. And I have never forgotten that. You know, I, I didn't do anything crazy. I just pushed him, you know, maybe a half mile. But what and energy do you feel? Just by sharing that story, my energy levels, like I feel the warm and fuzzies. And I can see yeah. listeners, you're not seeing this, people watching it. You, you get the joy in your face as you were sharing that story. Yeah. The accomplishment no, it, it, you felt. I learned for myself in that moment that... I should never let an ungood thought, you know, a good thought go undone. Absolutely. Um, That's awesome. Because you never know the benefit that you can have. The life you're touching. Yeah, exactly. You never know, right? And my wife used to joke because I met my wife a couple of years later that I just knew so many freaking people around campus <laughs> because I started to just do this all the time. I just like go up and talk to people. I go and do things and in part those because my mom and good example, she always used to talk to people and help people, but it was in that moment I learned for myself and I made it a part of me uh, to just do good. You never know the impact of a single moment can have on someone's life 
or even on your own. That person may have totally forgotten about that day because I was just some random person that pushed them across, but I personally will never forget it. And it has changed the way that I interact with people from that day forward forever. That's, that's awesome because that story, you know, the truth of that story is, is it created a portion of your identity that you still have today. It's become mm-hmm. part of your indelible and, and identity part of me that'll never change. And I'd be shocked if that person doesn't remember that story themselves or part of me shares that story about that kind person that helped me out. Right. Because yeah. that maybe they won't, but in my experience, people like when you, when they have such little kindness that happens in their life that when it does happen, it resonates with them forever. Yeah. Right. And it, and it sticks with them. Doesn't know, yeah. might not remember what you look like. Doesn't remember it. Maybe you shared each other's names, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you know, you were, that's what God put us on this planet for to serve his children. Yeah. And by serving children, his children, we get served too. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. It comes back to us tenfold. Right. Cause like the old story of the person, person that's going to, you know, the floods come and gets sent a boat, gets sent a helicopter and turns it all down, goes up to God. Oh, and, God will know, save me eventually. Yeah. Well, what yeah. do you want me to do? God tells him like, I sent you this, I sent you that. And you yeah. still, you know, you chose not to do it. So the listeners read, you've heard me talk about that before. Always be cognizant of your surroundings, right? Yeah. If you're faith bearing and you believe in God and you're praying and you want help, God doesn't directly interfere. He sends his children to help you. And sometimes you're so, uh, uh, you know, oblivious to it that you miss the signs of that help being there for you. Yeah. Right. So open your eyes and be, you know, even I've even watched people be kind or I've been kind to other people and they're snarky at you. Yeah. I have right? had that before too. So sometimes people, if you're one of those people that have been snarky to somebody being kind, there is genuine people out there that are just trying to be kind. Yeah. Right. Accept it. it it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great feeling. So, you know, can I add one thought real absolutely. quick that kind of came to mind? Go for so it. part of my story that I don't know if I've ever shared on any podcast is that as a kid, I mean, I told you I'm 6'5", 235, I'm a big guy, but I did not grow into my body elegantly. <laughs> I, I was a gangly, goofy kid with big zits and funky teeth until I had my braces and then I had them for too long and I tripped over my feet all the time. And I just, I remember being that kid that just wanted someone to like him. And when I got into high school, I started to kind of grow into my body and life changed 180 degrees in a lot of ways for me. But you you talk about this idea that some people just genuinely want to be kind, just want to be nice. Well, yeah, I didn't learn that lesson of just following those promptings until I was in college, but I learned the lesson when I was a kid of how much it might mean to someone to just be kind to them. Because I was the kid that was no one cared about or looked at and who just wanted someone to be their friend. And so when I, when I got on the other side of that and I suddenly, my life changed 180 degrees, not suddenly, I mean, it was over the course of some time, but Mm. when it changed, I never wanted to be that person who made someone feel that way. And so like, for example, I had a, 
when I graduated from high school, I had a, a friend's little sister tell me that he told me, man, my sister just loves you. I'm like, all right, whatever. Why? You know, he's like, well, not, not in a weird way, dude. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. It's well, this is what happened. And he tells me this story about how I was walking down the hall. It's probably my senior year. And once again, I was the all American kid. So I was, you know, I was the football captain and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not trying to like, I'm not trying to like, look at me. I'm so great, but just you're putting things into context, into yeah, context. Yeah. So yeah, I was I that guy right now. I'm walking down the hallway and I come to find out her, someone had kind of like hit her shoulder or something. And all these books fell and hit the ground. What did I do? I just knelt down. I helped her pick up the books, smiled at her, told her to have a good day. And then just kept walking on. I didn't even think about it. I, but to me, I had been that kid that had been hit all the time <laughs> in the past. I had been the kid that was just, you know, just bad day. And so I never, I just, that was just what you did for people is you just helped them out because they could just use a pick me up. And he told me that that meant, I mean, I, I couldn't name a single other interaction I ever had with his sister because we weren't that tight, he and I, but like he said that she loved me because of that. She just thought I was the coolest guy. And all I did was help her pick up her books. It was just kind. And so when we talk about legacy, we talk about like, living in the moment. Sometimes it's easier to do when you've been on the other side, when you've been the one that was kind of spit on in your (laughs) social circles, you know, that got your books knocked down a lot. It's easier, but man, it's so important to not forget what that felt like. And it's so important to lead with love might be a good way to describe it. You know, lead with compassion, lead with, when you look back on your life, lead with those things that you'll be grateful that for grateful for that you led with that lead in your life with those things that when you look back on, you'll have pride in yourself for having done those things so that when you get to the end, you're not, you're not full of regrets and wishing you had spent more time with your family or more time on your faith or whatever it might be or your health or whatever it it is. Life enjoy is the journey in the moment yeah. and enjoy yeah. the journey. Yeah. Enjoy the journey. Be that person that you wish other people would have been to you when you were younger and even adults. Sometimes I talk to people that have had great childhoods, but their adulthood sucks. They have a huge suck yeah. factor and, and they'll tell me about stories about how they're treated by their boss or they were treated this way. And they had a, a princess or a prince lifestyle when they were younger, but their adulthood yeah. sucks. And, and they're, they become a bully or they become somebody that's anger, angry and bitter all the time. And I'll say to them, well, you know, have you ever thought that maybe you should pivot the way you think and mm-hmm. start kill them with kindness yeah. is a phrase that is so true though. Sometimes if you're just extremely 100%. kind and, you know, you let them be angry at you. I've seen people that have done this and they've told me, cause I've done it, been extremely kind to somebody that was always rude or always angry at me. All of a sudden it took time and I had to swallow a lot, but they started changing. Now, all of a sudden they'd see me and they're smiling or they're, now they're acknowledging me in a different light because they yeah. had, they had been bullied by whoever or hadn't been nobody was kind to them right they experienced a total different aspect of life from their childhood and somebody had to tell them like hey time for a reset time for you Mm -hmm. to pivot in a way that you're treating others if you want to be treated correctly yourself 
So the person that's making you feel miserable and you're passing that miserable attitude along, maybe if you just try it for a while, I'll tell people just try for a short period of time. Yeah. Just be super kind, just smile. Right. And when they're angry, instead of showing, try to control your body language because they're picking up on that, they're hoping that they can poke you and they Mm -hmm. get a rise out of you because they're feeling miserable. And by you getting, giving them the rise that they're looking for, it's feeding them. Yeah. And, and it's making them not feel so bad about their circumstances. Somewhere along the line, we have to break the chain. Don't you agree? Agreed. A hundred percent. And I think it, to your point, it requires us to change the way we think about so many things. Um, perhaps I, I might share one way in which I've tried to help myself do that, sure. that I found that be really Absolutely. valuable. Um, for me, I have found that taking the time to express gratitude has completely changed the way that I perceive so many things. Um, so for example, um, I did an experiment at my old job where for an entire month, every day that I got into my office, I would sit down and the first thing that I would do is I would write an email to one of my coworkers, thanking them for something very specific that they had either done for me or had done that I noticed that was good. And I'm, I mean, in my old job, I mean, I was just kind of like someone who's in the middle of the pack. I wasn't like a, a leader in any way. So it wasn't like I was you know, trying to do this for company morale or anything. This was purely a personal experiment. I did it for 30 straight days. And I can tell you, m- there was an incredible shift in both my perception of the people in my own workplace and their perception of me. <laughs> in fact, so much so that when I eventually left that company, this, there was this particular group that I felt like was so unappreciated all the time at our job that I made an extra effort to say thank you to. They bought me a going away gift and a going away card because they were going to miss me so much. And I was just this like random, you know, extra side person. But that was purely as a byproduct of me just expressing gratitude. And I've since tried to continue that by every day sitting down and writing five specific things at the end of a day five specific things that I was grateful for that happened that day, no matter how small, no matter how big, but I was going to write down five specific, not just kind of generalities. Oh, I'm grateful that I have good health. Well, okay. Maybe on a particular day, there's a particular reason why, but not just generalities, but specifically, like, for example, I could say today, I am so grateful that my wife came down on me in the middle of the day when I was between meetings and pulled me to Costco so she and I could spend some time together to just walk around Costco together, just she and I, and enjoy some of the sunshine. And cause I'd been working in our basement here. Like that could be my, that could be one of my five for today. But I, I can tell you, and I can tell your listeners that if you want to change the way that you think about the, your situation around you, start purposely being grateful for it. And you will be amazed at how quickly your attitude shifts. Oh, goodness gracious. I uh, completely agree. I have, you know, I've suffered from bouts of depression and anxiety throughout my life. And when I learned to have more gratitude and be grateful in the morning, I don't even get out of bed without having done a gratitude exercise, being grateful. I pray a little bit and then I, and, and I'm grateful for the fact of something as simple as swinging my feet out of like my legs out of the bed and being able to plant my feet and being able to walk and have arms to, to brush my teeth or to groom myself or to have a roof over my head or open the fridge and have food in it. And people go, well, that's kind of, you know, that's just, yeah, but you're taking it for granted. I don't, I chose not to take it for granted. 
And every single day, I'm grateful for the fact that when I wake up, I'll say, you know, thank you, God, for allowing me to wake up today. I say very, something very simplistic, you know, thank you for allowing me to have another shot to be the best version of myself so that I can serve others. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, and my energy level is different. A couple of times I wake up the odd time and I'm rushing and I, and I honestly don't, I don't do that. I feel it later on in the day and I'm thinking yeah. to myself, why am I off? Oh my gosh, I forgot to welcome God into my day. I forgot to thank him yeah. for allowing me to be alive. Right. And, and listeners, you may think it's corny or, but it works being grateful yeah. and having gratitude for having abundance. And, you know, there's so many, even if you're listening and even to if this, you don't think you have abundance, I guarantee you there's an area of your life absolutely. where you do. You just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. You don't absolutely. have the, as to borrow a scriptural fr- phrase, we don't yet have eyes to see and ears to hear, right? Right, absolutely. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast on your phone or on your stereo in your vehicle or you're watching this on YouTube, you should be grateful you have technology to do that. There's yeah. so many people that can't even have something like that. Just a little bit of gratitude yeah. for the fact that you, the thing that you take for granted in your smart device, so many people can't even justify having, right? But again, yeah. yeah, gratitude and being grateful is so important for a healthy life. Um, even in your darkest times, back to the finance portion of it, if you're somebody that's living, you're listening to this, and you're living with more months than money, but yet you still have a roof over your head and you still have food in the fridge, you can still be grateful. You just need to understand and get your numbers under control. But you mm-hmm. still can have great, be gratitude, have gratitude, part of me, and be grateful for what you have, right? And it can help, right? Agreed. Just those little things can help you get past that that hamster wheel thing that you're stuck on. And there's people such as uh, Rob and myself that can help you get your your financial house in order. You just yep. got to be one of the willing, right? Agreed. But to get to that point of being somebody that's in the willing gratefulness and gratitude can sure help. Agreed. You don't want to go the route of having to hit rock bottom before you decide to get help. That's not a good route to go. No, it's go with the gratitude route. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Wake up and have gratitude. And I go to bed at night, like you do the five things, but I go to bed at night and I laying there and I'll say my prayers. And then when I'm done saying prayers, I'll, you know, I'll just, I'll think about all the different things that have happened in my day. And I've programmed myself over the last decade that I never have a bad day anymore. And people say, well, that's impossible. No, it's not. Tell me what happened that had why your day is bad. And they'll tell me this one instant, maybe two instances. And I'll say, well, there was there anything good that happened? Well, this happened and that happened and this happened. And I'll, and you know, if back to the gratitude, gratefulness thing, that can be the first start a good part of your day right? Oh, I had gratitude in the morning. I woke up. I had, I had a healthy breakfast or I got to see a good friend of mine. Well, okay. So those two bad things that happened, you're negating all the good things that happened in your day. So start programming your brain to to say to yourself, I'm never going to have a bad day. I'm going to have bad. I might have bad moments. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I train people on how to get past those bad moments. I teach them little techniques to get past them. Right. And, and, what they need to associate with to get past them instead Mm -hmm. of being somebody that's having a bad moment and you put on a negative, you know, music, or you go look up, look for people to um, talk to about it that are going to feed your bad moment. They're not going to help you uplift it. 
right? Just yeah. different things like that. But I dig- I digress. There's gratitude. Yeah. No, the, the, all the great things. suggestions. I think one of the mo- reasons why gratitude is so powerful is because as my dad used to always tell me as a kid, life is about perspective. And if we can shift our perspective more often than not, we can shift our feelings and our attitudes and our actions around that particular moment. Rob, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? Well, my thought would be, if you don't ever give a heck, no one else is going to give a heck about your life. (laughs) That's true. It's sad, but it's true. Um, If you want, I'm sorry, I've been recently been listening to and reading a bunch of stuff around Jocko's idea of extreme ownership. And so I've been having a lot of these ideas around, you know, if you want something in your life, you have to own it. You have to go and create it. You can't blame other people. You know, there's a saying in the military, there's a saying in business, you know, there's no bad teams, there's no bad armies, there's only bad leaders and bad generals. And I think it can be said of our families and of our lives. There's no bad circumstances. There's no bad life that you've been given. There's just the bad leader of that life. And you are the leader of your life. You are the leader of your family. You are the leader And whatever direction you decide to take it, whether by intentionally choosing to go that direction or by just letting life happen, you have chosen that path. So if you want to change it, give a heck about your life and go make it the life that you want. If you want a legacy, then go make it. No excuses. If you want to be a contender, if you want to make your life beautiful and wonderful and amazing and breathtaking and all the things that you've ever dreamed of, and there's no one else that's going to make it that way except for you. Yeah, you can enlist help along the way, but at the end of the day, you got to lead them where you want to go. So go make it that. Give a heck. Absolutely. And make life exactly what you want. That's a great message. And you're so correct. You have to be willing to accept the fact that you need help and go seek it out. But even when you seek out help and they give you advice, you got to be willing to take action. To own it. Right. To own it. Absolutely. Until your belief is strong enough where you can have momentum. And then the last thing that I'll say, consistency. You can't oh, yeah. just poke at it once in it once a week or twice a week. You need to work on it from the moment you get up to the moment you close your eyes. Appreciate, have gratitude, and do the little things and don't let life slow you down so much that you forget how to you know dust yourself off. Tomorrow is another day. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't live in in a valley of despair. It's just, it's not a great place to live. So our time is almost up. I want to respect our listeners and your time. However, before we end, can you please tell the listeners what's the best way to reach you? Well, I'm purposely sometimes a little difficult to get a hold of. <laughs> Once again, keeping that proper balance, right? So I'm actually only on one social media platform. I'm only on LinkedIn. Technically, you can find us on Facebook, but I don't do anything there. Um, it's just so that it's there, has a little shop. Um, so if you want to find me, you can come on LinkedIn, or honestly, you can email me directly at rob at contenderswanted.com. I love talking and interacting with people. I'll, I'll always respond to the emails. I can't promise it'll be right away, but I promise I'll respond. Um, so rob at contenderswanted.com. I'll make sure all this goes into the show notes, which listeners you can find at uh, giveaheck.com. Hit the podcast portal. 
you'll see Rob's face there and you can check the show notes out and we'll have uh, his email address and his LinkedIn link so you can easily access him. So thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Rob. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.